Hey everybody, it's your girl, your sis, your host, Cheryl Shoemake, and this is the Stepmom Sanity Podcast. The mic is hot, so let's get started. Hey there, everyone. Thank you for joining us, and welcome to this episode of the Stepmom Sanity Podcast. I have a couple of questions for you today, listeners. How many of you feel torn between loyalty to your child and loyalty to your spouse? Are there competing rivalries in your heart and you don't know how to settle the issue? Well, we're going to chat a bit today about who comes first in your home and why. Our guests are the wonderful Wimberleys. Angela is a master hairstylist with 25 years experience and 23 years as a cosmetology instructor. Harold works as a behavioral youth counselor for 32 years. He currently works in Ann Arbor, home of the Wolverines Go Blue. I have to say that because Harold is a forever Buckeye fan. <laughs> he, he works as a behavioral youth counselor at the Ann Arbor Public Schools. Angela and Harold have served at Christian Love Fellowship Ministries International, a church I happen to love. I love these people for close to 27 years. First as youth pastors for 26 of those years. And currently, Harold serves as the senior pastor and Angela is the worship pastor and the fab first lady of the church. They've been married for 29 years. They have three beautiful daughters, ages 32, 37, and 23. They don't look much, I'm sorry, 30, 32, 27, and 23. They don't look much older than that themselves. They have um, five grandchildren and they definitely will keep you laughing. Harold and Angela, thank you so much for being here and welcome. Is there anything you wish to add before we jump into it? No, I think you did a wonderful job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was trying to figure out who you were talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I said, well, y'all, y'all are wonderful. So we, we love you. So, um, I, you know, first of all, we love, we absolutely love, love stories around here. So we want you to start off by letting the listeners get to know you. Tell us how you all met. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, you want to start? No, okay, so we have been having this ongoing debate for almost 29 <laughs> years. Uh, but all I know is back in 98, 97, uh, I was at a, a party that was at a place called C.J. Barrymore's in Ypsilanti. Mm -hmm. And I happened to get off work and I came up there and uh, I was as I was in in the place, kind of mingling. This lady, this this woman came up to me, named Angela. Oh, she came up to you. Oh yeah, she she kind of rolled by. You know what I'm saying? She said that <laughs> that's a, that's a cute sweater. Mm -hmm. You know, I had I had my Cosby sweater on, and you know. <laughs> And actually, I'm sorry, you're right. It was yeah, 88, 91. 88, about 88. <laughs> I'm sorry, it was about 88. Yeah. I'm sorry, so the date. But um, when we, we, you know, at the end of the whole party, she, um, I was like, hey, you know, nice sweater could mean, you know, let's, let's talk, let's get your phone number and stuff like that. <laughs> and my right? So after a little bit of time, you know, we, you know, we stayed in contact with each other um, a little bit. And then eventually, uh, we it became more than that. We just started connecting with one another and, and just uh, having, you know, just having some great times together, spending time together. We Once we got, once we connected, 
we never, I don't think we ever was apart except for one time. And I think that was when Angela went to Oklahoma to bury her grandmother. Mm-hmm. And that was, I was, so I was at home without her for about four or five days. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That was a long time. So. Oh, that's so sweet. That's so sweet. Now, <laughs> Angie, that was, that's what he told us, but I want to hear the truth. So tell me what he's, how you all met. <laughs> Well, I mean, we did meet at a club. Mm-hmm. That's that's true. Uh, I I did go to him. Check. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I was like, he's he's cute. Yep. Uh, eyes was really cute. Brown eyes was sparkling, and so I was like, mm, okay, let me go say hi. How you doing? So yeah, that's how we met. Uh, we knew some mutual friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a connection. It was funny though because I knew he was like an athlete or ex-athlete, and mm-hmm. I knew growing up they could be kind of, you know, all about themselves. Mm-hmm. So I I had a conversation with my brother, really, my brother Ricky, and said, you know, I met this guy. I'm not really sure if I want to pursue it, you know, uh, or have him pursue me because he's an ex-athlete, and I know they're all, you know, about themselves, and they have all kind of females that that's attracted to them so I'm not really sure if I want to you know engage in any converse, more conversation with them he said well you know give him a, you don't don't do don't do that don't just uh you know put that label on him without getting to know him because mm-hmm. my brother he played football he played he was an excellent baseball player and and so he was like don't put the label on him before you get to know him so I got to know him and uh, uh we just clicked and uh from that day on we just stayed connected and stayed in uh constant communication with one another so what made you though what made you click what was the thing what made you look at each other and say i want to build a life with this person i think one of the things for me was uh harold was working at the juvenile in the juvenile justice system Mm-hmm. And he was working with youth and young boys and a conversation of how he's helping them and the things that he wants to do in the community and things like that really attracted me to get to really understand him and get to know him even better. Mm-hmm. Um, being a part of how I was raised uh, in the church home that I was raised in, Community Church of God, we did a lot of community work. And so that attracted me in his conversation. We had a lot to talk about when uh, we were talk, discussing those things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, I was at that point. Where, um, I just, I knew she was fine. I wanted to get to know her. You know? <laughs> I, don't know, I didn't know nothing about her background at that time. So, <laughs> and, um, and you know what the thing is, is that I think what our, our conversations were never dull. Mm-hmm. Never, you know, when we got, I mean, every day, literally every single day, we were together every day for until up until we got married, we were together every mm-hmm. day, those five days in Oklahoma. Uh, and we just connected. I mean, our friends, we had friends that we shared that we knew. Um, and here's the biggest selling point. Her family, especially mother, 
and her brothers and, and sisters in them were just like my family. And I'm, mm -hmm. I'm a child though, but uh, still just, they value family, you yes. know? Uh, and my parents valued family, although my parents are divorced, but they only didn't, they just didn't sleep in the same house, but I was with them all the time. Yes. Uh, so she would travel back and forth to Cleveland with me and meet my friends in Ohio and then my buddies who I uh, play ball with up here at Eastern Michigan. And, you know, we just had a, we just clicked. I mean, everything was like, it was just good. I mean, we spent, I don't think we had the same conversation every day. I don't think we did. I think we just really explored and learned each other. And her values were great. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's like, so after a while, I will admit, I, I think it was me, you know, who said, you know, I love you, you know? So I think because of that, I think that was a place I wasn't, I never really went, <laughs> you know? Um, but I just, I just fell in love with her family, her and her family. And, uh, I remember when she, I would drop her off at work because my car was down. So I would drop her off at work and I would go pick up, before I go to class, I would go pick up, uh, pick up mother, you know, and take her to, to, the, to her job every morning, you know. And it was just fun. I got to know her and I got to know her dad. And uh, it was just some good times. I was, it, it, it was, you know, it was one of those things that, you know, I gotta be it. I gotta be in this family, in my mind. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. But if it, it, you know, and my parents really jailed and loved Angie. My family loved her. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's just it was just meant to be. You know, I wasn't saved. I wasn't. I wasn't professing Christ. Did I believe in Jesus? Yeah, I, I grew up to believe that. Um, but what that meant, I didn't know. Uh, but eventually, I believe she was the starting point behind me even getting to a place to have a relationship with Christ. Well, that's awesome. You know, I know we have a conversation we are going to get to, but I want to stop and pinpoint something that you said, which I think is so important. And it's something I didn't know, honestly, and I didn't investigate enough in my first marriage. And that was the importance of that your potential spouse's family and their family, their family of origin and where they came from and whether or not they will be an asset or a detraction to your relationship. And I so appreciated, um, you know, I appreciate my, my husband's family, Jonathan's family so much. And, and I love them and they love me and my family, like your family, Angie with Harold, uh, adores Jonathan. Um, he is cousin to my cousin and he calls my aunts aunt and he calls my grandmother grandma and um he calls my dad dad and he calls my mom mom i didn't have that in 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 my first marriage and i certainly didn't have that kind of relationship with my former in-laws at all um so it, it became such a, a blessing i remember at jonathan's um 50th birthday party my sister standing up and saying how much she loved his family because of the way they loved me and I loved them. And so like my family saw it. And, and so anyways, I just want to just for a minute, talk a minute about, and we're going to get into the conversation, but really talk about how important it is just for a second for to people to realize you're not just marrying the person, you are marrying their history and their family and all of that. Go ahead, please. Yeah, I, I would say, especially coming from a small family, because it's just me, to come up and 
feel the connection with another family that I have no idea of any history behind, you know, what they're about. But they, to be able to come in and learn it where they became, they're not my brother-in-laws, they're not my sister-in-laws, they actually are my brother and my sisters. So I went from having no brothers and sisters to having plenty, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, and we spent time together, you know what I'm saying? And we did things together and we still do to this day. I mean, we embrace each other, uh, we laugh, we, we cry, we talk, you know what I'm saying? And we may disagree, uh, but the thing is that, you know, we, we got each other down, you know? And, yes. and so I think it's so important because that's a major part of a person's life is their family. Yes. yes. And so, you know, I've, hear, I've heard so many horror stories about, you know, the mother-in-law or the father-in-law or sister-in-laws and them, you know, really being, you know, agitating, <laughs> agitating uh, the marriage, always in it. And, but you know what? One thing I can say is that I, in all the years we've married and her family, not one, not one has ever, ever crossed that space of dipping into what was going on in our life. In fact, they added to it. Yes. Yeah. You know, uh, there's times that, you know, Angie would go and talk to mother about things and, 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 and welcome because you know why? Because I trust her mom. Yes. Advice, yes. advice. And look, I went to her mom to yes. talk to her about things. I went to my mother and my father, you know, and you know, you, but the thing we talked about was never downgrading your spouse. Right. Right. There's questions around how do I do this? How, how can I be better in this aspect? With my parents being divorced, they really couldn't give me that, that advice like her mom and dad who've been together for all those years, you mm -hmm. know, uh, but they can give me advice about being a, a, a good man, you know, mm -hmm. a good husband. And my mom spoke from what she wanted as a husband, you know what I'm saying? And so yeah. to me, those, those pieces are important. Yes, they are. Yes, they are. Thank you so much for that. Um, so, Harold, now you came into the marriage with a young daughter. Tell us about your experience as a single father. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, Brittany is my oldest baby at 32. So, when I went to college, um, Brittany actually lived in the dorms with me for a little bit. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. so in, in the athletic dorm, it was my buddy, the other, one of the other players, and we were... Um, we, he had his daughter. His daughter was also the same age as mine. Mm -hmm. and so we had a loft built in our, our dorm room and we had portable uh, with a pack and play cribs. Mm -hmm. So we were up, we had those little uh, things, walkers, they would race up and down the hallway in the dorms, all these guys and, you know, athletes and stuff would just love them. Um, and when I met Angie, it was like, okay, you know, here's, here's Brittany. And so she knew of Brittany and she met Brittany and she spent time with Brittany when she was, I think Brittany was like maybe two, maybe mm -hmm. one, yeah, about one. And, and she would look after sometimes. And, uh, and then as it, as it progressed, you know, uh, the relationship, you know, uh, took a little turn where Brittany had went home to be with her mom and we had some things, you know, that we were dealing with as far as with her mother. But, all in all, I mean, being a single father, I mean, it was scary, mm -hmm. you know, 
my mom and dad played a huge role in helping me care for for Brittany. Uh, and it was just, you know, it was. I remember days going to eat to not eight o'clock in the morning classes at Prey Herald at Eastern and mm-hmm. an elective hall about three or four hundred people, and Brittany would sit up on the on the on my lap or either at the desk next to me, and she would just be writing and playing with her dolls or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was a baby. She was young, you know, and um, so it was many days not knowing how to. <laughs> How to how to feed what kind of food was right so you know mm-hmm. stuff like that and and I really thank God for Angie when you know as Brittany started coming of age when we went after custody of her that was a huge piece um, but prior to that there was a learning moment even prior to going to get custody of her. Mm-hmm. So Angela, for you, I mean, well, first of all, Harold, that just speaks to your determination to be um, to be successful in your in your career your college career and then your career afterwards and also to be a good father in in the middle of that that's amazing angie what um what what, what was the biggest challenge um you had to overcome before taking on the role as mom to your oldest daughter and you really were kind of mom because Harold was a single father you really kind of played that role before you all got married as well uh, yeah, well, I didn't really, you know, I always, my thing with Brittany was always to let her know that I was not replacing her mom, mm-hmm. that I was a woman in her life. If I was going to be, you know, married to Harold, that I was going to be a woman permanently in her life that wanted to be a good example to her mm-hmm. good example as a, as a woman, you know, and it, I always stressed that with her, you know, cause her mother is her mother. Mm-hmm. Regardless of how it was or how it looked, her mother was her mother. And I always wanted her to love her mother. Mm-hmm. And so my uh, thing with Brittany was when I met Harold is to, uh, when I found out he had a daughter, is to really know who he was first. Mm-hmm. Knowing who he was as a man would, uh, you know, allow me to really love and understand his daughter and to take her in. And so when... Um, he brought her when she was here. She was like one. We actually had her second birthday party at my mom's house. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, her second birthday party. Mm-hmm. And um, I just, you know, uh, wanted to be a person that would show her positive things in life, uh, how a woman should be, how she should be cared for mm-hmm. as a girl and everything like that. Because I knew there was some absence of that in her life. And so that was my biggest thing. Did you have any hesitation? Did you experience any hesitation about dating a man with a child? Uh, Especially one who had like a lot of responsibility, was, was a very hands-on parent. Right. Uh, I, I don't think at first it was hesitation because I, you know, back then I felt like she had a mind, she, you know, we, she would come and visit us and then right. she would go home. Right. Mm-hmm. And so until the relationship really grew when I get, began to understand what type of relationship was really going on with the mom, with the mom and the daughter. I knew it wasn't really a good thing that was happening. So I, you know, at first I was like, oh, this is going to be okay because, you know, she'll come and visit, but she'll go home. Mm-hmm. So I'll still have, you know, me and Harold time. Mm-hmm. So when, when some of that time became difficult where we, I knew that, eventually we would probably get custody of her mm-hmm. and I was like wow you know this is going to be probably a challenge you know 
yeah. in, in, in the marriage, a challenge in <clears> just <throat> bringing another child up that I did not birth mm-hmm. into this. So yeah, there were some hesitation a little later on uh, when we were married, after we were married, when we were dating, she was, you know, back and forth. So we had a lot of time with one another. Okay. How old was she when you all were married? So we, she was, was she three or four? She was three going on four when we got married. Okay. Okay. I'm sorry. Say it again. She was what? She was the the wedding. We got, you know, she was in the wedding. She was one of the flower flower girls. girls. Oh, that's sweet. We, you're gonna have to show pictures you know they can't see pictures but i want to see pictures so <laughs> and tell us well then you you talked about a little bit about how it was it felt okay um because there was you know she was going back and forth but that when you um realized okay we're probably gonna have to um get full custody of Brittany. Uh, th- that's when it began to get a little bit challenging for mm-hmm. you. So how did you how did you manage that? How did you manage the blending of your family with very quick dynamic changes? Because that happened pretty quickly after you all were first married, correct? No, about uh, yeah, about three was, four about three years, three or four years later, because no, three years later because uh, Candace, we had, we Angie got pregnant after we got married with Candace. Our our first child between the two years. of us. Yeah, about okay. four years. Four years. Yeah, it was about four years before we got custody of her. Okay, and so you have a dramatic family dynamic shift then after you, you're, you're a new mom, young yeah. mom, and you have this dynamic shift and, and I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but go ahead and then and tell us about that experience. Yeah, um, it was definitely a big shift because I had only been, uh, been a mom for three years. Mm-hmm. Which, but um, I knew that it had gotten to a point that uh, Harold would have to get custody of his daughter. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was something that at that time, it, uh, I can remember when we were traveling down to Cleveland and I knew Harold was really worried about going into the court proceeding. And it was a song that came on the radio and it was just something that would speak to try to calm him down, calm his nerves and to, you know, really allow God to minister to him before he went into the court proceeding. Mm -hmm. God had to really uh, work with me uh, to, I think I came to a point at that time that I knew in my spirit that she was going to be with us because from, from the time we got married to that time, we had been through a lot of things with Harold going back and forth to Cleveland to, to kind of rescue his daughter from certain situations. Okay. So I knew at that time that God, through that time, God was really speaking to me because my concern was the safety of his child. Right. There, you are not a human being if you're not concerned with a person being safe. That's true. So, um, my concern had got to the point of, you know, we got to do something because your child is in danger. Mm-hmm. I can't sit here and I know you can't sit here. He's worried. I'm worried about him and I'm worried about her. And mm-hmm. he's extremely worried about his daughter. So God had, uh, from that time, from four years to, to eight, so it's four years in between, God had really um, been working on me. And when you have a child yourself, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you know, as a mother, because that changed my life, having a child. Yes. 
as a mother, knowing the cares and concern of your own child and the love that you want to give her and the safety and the surrounding you want to have your, your child to have. So that even caused me to have more empathy about the situation of him and the baby and his child. During those times, God really worked on me having a child. And at that point, I was ready. You know, I wasn't ready for everything that was going to happen afterwards, but God had prepared my heart to be ready to receive her. Right. And, and, and so during that, during, it was just, you know, it was just God, really. It really was because no one had conversation with me about having, uh, uh, you know, a husband with a child. Even though I had uh, relatives who had kids, you know, blended families. But no one really had a true conversation of these are some some things that may happen or may occur or any just dialogue around it. And so God really prepared me for that time and that moment. To you know, you all, you all have been married for 29 years and you said no one had a conversation with you about being married to a man with a child. Do you know we still don't have those conversations, especially in the church, especially which is especially, which is why, you know, we're doing stepmom sanity because we want to create a space where we can have those conversations. And, and again, I, and I will say this, I love the work that Ron Deal is doing over at Fam Family Life Blended. They have a whole now, a whole section under family life, specifically for step families, where they are training people how to support these families. And about 40% of marriages that, that happen today create a step family inside the church, but we're still not supporting them. And, and you will hear me say this probably every podcast. I will, I will grab an opportunity to say this because we really need to be talking to men and to women prior to them getting into a, a marriage that creates a blended family about what challenges they can expect and giving them some things, some tools to overcome yes. those challenges so that their children aren't traumatized by another divorce. Yes, absolutely. And, and I, I just want to say to that, that in, at Christian Love, there, we have um, had uh, a few couples who have got married and became a blended family. And many times I offered, you know, to sit down and have conversation with them because I think sometimes you're caught up in the glow of just the marriage. Mm -hmm. But when when everything, you know, the shine kind of disappears, you know, and you really have to deal with some, some real tough stuff when it comes to blended families, you need to have some real honest dialogue around that, you know, and, people right. open, and, and be okay in having it. I think sometimes they're not comfortable in having that conversation, thinking that, you know, that it's going to make them look bad, right. you know, but it's not. It's just open and honest conversation to deal with things that, that may occur in that right. family. Yeah. And you know, um, people, as people of color, we usually struggle with the whole idea yeah. of what, you know, talking about things that are in your family, in things that are in your life, um, counsel or whatever. And so yes. a lot of people didn't want to talk about that because it was just like, I, it was like taboo. What, you know, they, they goes talk on about, in this house stays in this house. Right. That mm -hmm. was that was the original Vegas rule for for families of color. You know what goes on in this house stays in this house, mm -hmm. and it was all about we didn't want to allow people to see us in a different light. But you know what? Yes, I realized when it was really hard when Angela, because uh, Brittany is my world. You know she mm -hmm. was 
you know, I grew up with her, you know, mm-hmm. and I always, always had this notion that if you, if you don't take my child, you don't take me, mm-hmm. you know, and we, we come as a package. But then later on to learn after really, you know, listening to the men of God that was in my life is that your spouse, your child doesn't come before your wife, mm-hmm. you know, and, um, and, and I struggled with that for a moment because I was like, no, that's not, that's not right. You know, um, why wouldn't Angela want to have my daughter come? And Angela, let me say this for the record, Angie never said to me, no, I don't, we just can't do this. Mm-hmm. She says, I'm not ready. But when you're emotionally charged and you see what's going on and you need to get there, what I heard from I'm not ready was, you don't want my kid here. Mm-hmm. That's, what I heard. That's what I heard. That's not what she said. This is why, and the field of social work is, it's a difference between what is said and what is heard. That's and, right. and so the key thing was that I had to go, I left that night when she said that because we just had, we didn't have an agreement on that and I needed some space. And when I say I left, I left to go talk to, to actually I went to talk to Apostle Hill. Mm-hmm. And also talk to John Wallace, you know, and and I, I just said, hey, man, is, am I crazy? Am I tripping? What is going on here? And they, and they both said, in, in two different conversations, and they didn't even know we talked to each other. Mm-hmm. You know, your wife, you know, you have to look at where your wife is. And all this conversation, where your wife is, where your wife is, where is she at? How is she feeling? It could be the same if it was the opposite shoe. And I didn't want to hear it. I was like this. No, this is my child. And... You know what? Eventually, I came and I apologized to Angie, and I said, "You know what? We we're gonna get through this. You know, I'll just continue to go and I have my mom and stuff, you know, back and forth." But here's the blessing from this, and I don't think I shared this too much at all with anybody, but I'll say it now because I believe it will bless someone else. When you get to that place where you listen, really listen to your spouse, one but you really listen to God too, first and foremost. Brittany on a, me and Angie on a Sunday morning leaving church. The lady who was the appointed social worker for Brittany Uh called me on my phone. We're out in the car, we're just rolling along and she called me. And when she called me on a Sunday, she said these words, she says, I was just leaving church and um, some told me to go stop by your daughter's house. When she stopped by my daughter's house, they were deadbolt locked in the house, couldn't get out. Mm-hmm. Mom wasn't there. They had, at that point, uh, I, I was really frantic because now my children are being taken, my daughter is being taken down to Metzenbaum, which is a kind of not really a foster place, but a place where kids are kind of like in that limbo. Right. You know, you know in the county. And so my dad got down there. Um, I immediately got down there. Um, and then from there, we started having this dialogue with the courts. And within seven months of everything total, from the, from the first time, you know, time I put my own paperwork in, 
I had I didn't have an attorney. You know, I did I couldn't afford an attorney, um, and so everything I did was me representing myself. Mm-hmm. Um, all the paperwork. My 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 dad's sister worked in a juvenile court for years as a social worker. So prior to even getting down there, Cheryl, I remember getting a call. John had shared something with somebody. And I got a call to go on C- CTN to talk yeah. about, you know, when being a father, it's not automatically that the father uh, should not have custody of his child. And I did a, a live broadcast show with them talking about that. Mm-hmm. Because the system has a way of making you feel as a father as though you don't have any rights. Mm-hmm. You don't have any rights. In fact, you know, she can do anything she wants to meaning the mom and you don't, you don't have any rights. You do that because you're supposed to do that. Uh, and the mom is always right. And those things, I went through that for a little bit, mm-hmm. but eventually Cheryl, what happened is that when I got there, Angie had already made up in her mind, let's go get her. Mm-hmm. Now I haven't had that conversation anymore since I told you that, you know, she wasn't, she says, I'm not ready. And I, and I had understood that after a while, right? And then it wasn't long at all after she said that, that she said, let's go get her. I was, it was all guns a blazing in. I was like, okay, I'm calling his purse, call that person. Things kept in motion. On May 30th, 1996, at 8.35 a.m., any uh-huh. day, Cleveland, Ohio, I was there and I got full custody of my eight-year-old daughter and I left, and I'm gonna say sole custody, and she had to make visitation rights. Mm-hmm. Not only did I get sole custody, but the state of Ohio gave me reimbursed me back three months of child support. Mm-hmm. Where does that happen at, Cheryl? It doesn't. It doesn't. And, and, and it's, that's a God thing. You can't explain it another way. Especially in 1996. It doesn't. Yeah. It didn't. And so I came back. I walked. I remember us going to church with a Christian love. I remember walking down the aisle. In fact, let me back up for a quick second. Mother Harding and the family. When I say yes. we prayed, we had a prayer time yes. every single week without fail, not just for Brittany, but for the family in general. Yes. I've never been a part of something like that yes. where a family comes together and they pray for whatever. And they prayed. And when I came back, they were the first people that I came and brought my daughter over there to. Because I went down there by myself. Angela wasn't with me. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just was it started to fall into place. You know, I haven't read, I haven't relived this story in a long time. That's why it's sometimes a little emotional for me right now. Certainly, certainly. I understand. And thank you so much for being so open and sharing. We appreciate that. You actually are getting into the rest of our conversation. So I think this would be an appropriate place for us to take a break and we will be back right after this.
Hey everybody, this is Cheryl and I wanted to take a moment to invite you to visit us at stepmomsanity.com. Become a member and enjoy discounts on our merchandise, our retreats and conferences, our books, and so much more. Also, as a member, you'll get exclusive access to our quarterly We're Better Together virtual gatherings, our webinars by experts in every area from estate planning to fun vacays with your family. You'll also get access to free downloads, our prayer gatherings, and so much more. Membership is free, but it's not cheap. What you waiting for? Join us on the journey. While we were away at break, we've had a very interesting conversation. The conversation continued for us. And we, Harold was just kind of expounding on some of the challenges that he faced uh, in the system and um, and what I'd like to do, Harold, is have you, you and maybe a couple of other fathers come back on uh, at some later date. And we can kind of talk about what fathers face uh, in this whole process of, of parenting as a away from the away from the the bio mom and the challenges that you go through and how you went about getting custody. Cause we, we had a, a change of custody situation as well um, with our son, with, with Jay. And it wasn't as challenging as yours, not at all. Cause everyone was in agreement. So, so we were able to get through that fairly painlessly, but I do know that there have been dads like you who deserved custody and who weren't awarded custody. And those who like you miraculously um got custody of their of their children and we also talked a little bit about the trauma that's associated with this but in in keeping with our conversation so we're going to have you come back if you don't mind it would that be okay wow. okay in, but in keeping with our conversation the <clears throat> you started talking about how when um when Brittany came back we after you got custody um, this was happening offline, you all. After they got custody and she was happy and she came home to Angie and to her little sister. And but there there were some challenges in that because there's you still had to integrate the family. But especially for you, Harold, you I imagine because so much of your energy was directed towards Brittany and so much of your concern and care was directed towards Brittany you struggled with putting your wife first. So that's kind of what we want to unpack a little bit and how we can make your marriage a priority over your children, why we should make a mar your marriage a priority over your children. And this is typically a mom issue. So I, I find it quite fascinating that you were struggling as a dad with this issue. So talk to us a little bit about that struggle and then what a, and then how did you begin to make the the trans the, the turn you and you started over above the break so let's just kind of recap a little bit so so basically like i said when we came Brittany came to live with us we were awarded full custody um it took a maybe about a year or so afterwards and you start seeing some different things that she's been through you know you can you 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 see a child and I know a lot of dads and probably moms out there can relate to this is that when it, your child goes away to the other parent's house, not everybody, you almost have to reprogram them again when they come back home. Mm -hmm. um, 
And so we've had, we've had to kind of like sit down and talk to Brittany. And as she gotten older, there was, she really started to look at Angie in a different way. You know, I don't know, you know, again, it was just, hey, this, she started going reminiscing back to mom. Now she's looking at this lady in front of her that she knows loves her. But mm -hmm. again, you know, trauma has a way of, you know, your brains can tell you stuff that really is not true. Yes. And, and so, and so at some point there was just a lot of some defiant behavior and stuff like that. Um, where the person who really lost out, I know, I would say Angie caught a lot of it, you know, just from, you know, like, wow, where's this coming from? But you know, who else caught a lot of this was Candace. Okay. Because, you know, so a lot of the, a lot of the efforts and a lot of attention was drawn over to addressing our oldest daughter, helping her through that we almost lost, I would say me, lost some of that that momentum and you know parenting my my newest baby you know candace you know uh and so it, it was it was it was a struggle and i think the struggle got in the way and wedged itself in between angie and i you know okay. where it was days it wasn't like arguing and fighting but it was more or less of hey you know I, i'm glad you're home you know or i'm Hey, I, I need to step out for a minute. No, because you know, I've been having some things going on here that I think you need to address. And I'm spending all this time dealing and addressing things in the juvenile course as a counselor, you know, eight okay. to ten a day. You want to have some peace at home. But the thing is that um Angie was right, you know. I mean, at some point I had to say, okay, we're gonna have to go get some counseling. Now that took a big step for me to say, let's go get counseling. But the counseling didn't work out because it pointed everything at Angie. Mm -hmm. The stuff at every, that needs to be pointed at, I would say everybody, but there was a component missing. Brittany's biological mother, you know what I'm saying? So right. you really, you're getting half or a quarter of the story, you know, what's going on. And she was too young to really talk about what was going on. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, you know, having to, having to, to address those things, unpack those things, it left what I seen in my wife, it left her feeling, I, I think in some ways, this, this is my words, not hers, but it left her feeling in my words, thinking that she really wasn't valued at, and, you know, like she should have been, like she should be. Mm -hmm. uh, because, you know, here you are trying to love and appreciate and, and do everything. And, and, and it seems like from the counseling to the daughter, to the child, everything is back pointed at you, you know? And would you agree with that, Angie? I'm sorry, Harold, I didn't mean to cut you off, off but I wanted to give Angie, would you agree with that? Oh is yeah. That, mm -hmm. Yeah, it was really rough um, because you're trying to be a balance and everything, yeah. but it's um, a lot of things are, um, pointed towards me as what what am I doing? How am I treating her? How am I uh, from all aspects, even from his dad, you know, uh, when she would act up and do things and well, what did Angie do? Did she do something to her, you know? And so I had to be very, I was very confident in myself that I'm just here just trying to be <laughs> a positive impact in Brittany's life. 
And that when she's in the house, that, that, you know, is everything surrounded as to loving her, disciplining her, mm -hmm. all that comes, you know, into this household, you know, mm -hmm. so everything is not going to be roses. Right. Uh, but, but I knew that she needed a well-rounded, uh, you know, parenting. And I wanted to be uh, one of those aspects in her life as a, as a woman to show her how you can do that in a loving way. And yeah. so yeah, I, I carried a brunt of a lot of stuff on my shoulders. And I would go to my mom and talk to her for a lot about how to handle things, how to pray about things, how to deal with things. Because some of the stuff I just didn't, I didn't, I didn't understand because I, you know, how <coughs> Some of, the things that, some of the things that Brittany dealt with, you have to, be, you have to make sure you're sensitive to that too. Right. You know, she's dealing with, she's bringing stuff on that's learned. Kids are not born into this world evil and, and with uh, behaviors like she had. So she's, this is a learned behavior. And so I had to be very sensitive to that uh, behavior and really speak sensitively around that too and not in, in, in anger. Or anything like that so I, I had to really get um, wise counsel thank God my mom was here at the time to give me wise counsel around that and I, I was able to receive it from her and we prayed together and in uh, you know I was able to endure some some of the things that I had to bear during that time right so, Harold, you said that you were struggling with making your marriage a priority. Um, and I imagine that it was because so much attention was uh, being diverted towards um, Brittany. And you had, to, you had to go and get counseled around how to reverse that. What adjustments? Well, first of all, how was, it, how was that behavior impacting your marriage? And then what adjustments after you got this counsel? what adjustments did you make in your marriage to move it up the priority list? Well, the counseling came for Brittany, the family, the three, mm -hmm. of, three of us, you know, okay. Candace, part of, but the adjustments, um, the, well, I'll say this, the problem was that, you know, again, coming home from work, listening to what was going on, feeling like, okay, what is going, I mean, some days I just took the long route home. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but then at some point, the, the adjustment, after seeing what was going on with Angie and how things were pointing back at her, because I never questioned was she doing anything. Mm -hmm. but the outside pieces were like, you know, like, well, how do you think you can do this? I mean, in other words, nothing was asked of Brittany. Okay. And nothing was really asked of me <laughs> you know um but it all kept because they knew the problem had stemmed from a mother daughter type situation was a problem you know right. but angie was not a part of that you follow what i'm saying but at the time you know <laughs> i'm sitting there like she took a lot of it and so and seeing that and the counsel i went and got i talked to other men right that never went through this, but they actually can speak to it from a, a, a biblical and, and how a husband should be. 
because we were still newly not you know we were still we weren't married but so long you know in that time right you know? right um, and when i started to have conversations with angie mm -hmm. i asked angie what can i do to be different to be better mm -hmm. to support mm -hmm. you and i got totally naked before her and and it was a raw conversation angela and i had and she began to i and what i did is that i did something that i hadn't done since all this stuff was breaking loose i listened mm. and i'm talking about when i say listened i listened with my ears my heart my eyes i listened yeah and i listened for a few weeks <laughs> you know oh, I, I like that you follow what I'm saying? And so when and then when it was time to respond, my response was first and foremost, I'm sorry. Mm. For 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 May, some absences that you felt I wasn't really supporting you, um, or whatever it was, even for people who made you feel like you were the you were behind all this crazy stuff. I'm gonna take their stuff. I'm sorry. Hmm. You know, and so, and at that point, it was both of us really had prayed about it. Both of us had some real honest conversations. She even heard me. She listened to saying, "Man, this got to be hard. I mean, you're taking care of family. You're in this field. You're doing this, this, and that." But my whole piece was that that's not a reason to not support you. Right. In fact, there is no reason not to support your spouse. Right. And so at that point, we were, we had those rough dialogues. I mean, it's, it wasn't, I would tell anybody out there on this, on, on this podcast, it's not easy. So you, what you see on the Brady Bunch and all that's the parking <laughs> that's straight up movies. You know, those are the Cosby's, wherever you're looking at, those are movies. Those are, those are, those They're are shows. scripted. Exactly. <laughs> somebody wrote it this right here there is no room that i can go to and see okay what's the answer to to, to number 32 how to support your wife when your kid is not really showing love to her okay let me i don't see that in the book you know what i'm saying and so and so i had to go back to the book you can really mm -hmm. understand what god is saying that yes. my wife you know, you leave and cleave, you know what I'm saying? And she is, she is my, she is my first ministry. Yes. You know, and so when you start looking at that, you're like, okay. And then you start listening and you do less of one, you do more of one than the other. And then you start finding out more information. And then you, and then you look to how can we, it became then literally, I mean, before it was just figuratively we were talking. But this time literally became how can we band and join together to make our family what it needs to be right? yes so we put some time in that you yes. know but you know what eventually it started to really go and the relationship between Brittany and angie was became awesome you know sometime i was the one that was the outcast <laughs> <laughs> So I, you found, I, I just want to paraphrase, you found that putting your wife first and honoring your wife first actually 
change the the temperature in your family and so that Brittany and angie now had this had this burgeoning relationship that was becoming more cohesive and closer and i mean because now because I, I will tell you this when i first met you all i didn't know you all were a blended family i mean many people don't but it was years later that i found out i had no clue uh, that's how seamlessly blended you all are today yeah yeah and uh, you a pivotal point it sounds like was when you um harold said okay I, these kids are not first and specifically my Brittany is not first Angie is first she's my first ministry and that is how I'm going to live my life in front of my children exactly and with that with doing that it's like in, I coach basketball for years so it's like it, it would be just as crazy putting my kids before my wife as playing a game then practicing Thank you. I like that. That's good. Because I like you, it. You, 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 we yeah. have to look at putting this together. And it's, isn't, that, isn't it always like that? When you, when you live according to the biblical principles that's been laid out, every piece that was astray seems to come all back into it really place. It really does. It really you know? does. But I'm going to tell you, a lot of eyes are twitching right now, mm -hmm. <laughs> especially moms. Because, you know, we are always told those kids come first. And, and uh, um, if you're not putting your kids, if you put, don't put a man over your kids, that we, we are, that is drilled into us. And I, I will tell you that when Jonathan and I got married, he said very quickly, look, it's you and me against the world, even these kids, because they're going to leave one day. And our job is to prepare them to be successful people when they leave this house to teach them to love the Lord, to prepare them to make it when they walk out that door. We'll be here for them, but it's you and me. We're the ones that are gonna be here together. So how do you overcome the guilt that comes along with not making your children first? Well, for me, I, I um, so coming from a family, um, my mom and dad were married for 50 years. Mm -hmm. 13 kids. <laughs> 13. So, Did you all hear that? 13 children. <laughs> and my dad worked a lot. Mm -hmm. You know, he traveled, he worked a lot. And so I, for me, I thought if me and Harold don't show our children what a marriage should look like, mm -hmm. how will they know? Mm -hmm. Right. You know, so that was very important for me. Yes. to spend time with your husband, to laugh, to go on dates, to, you know, all those things. And I said, so they have to see us uh, choosing to make each other first in, in each other's life, because how will they know what a marriage looks like? Mm -hmm. what, what does um, mom time look like? What does dad time look like? And us coming together, we have to be those examples, not just saying, that but also be an example of that and our kids often talk about that today mm -hmm. they've seen it and so it's very important for uh i think in with our marriage that we made a priority to make sure that they seen us as husband and wife mm -hmm. as husband and wife not only just being a house being husband and wife but actually doing things together, spending time together, laughing together, mm -hmm. you know, all the 
those things, uh, discussing important things together. And so uh, that was important for me uh, because my, like I said, my dad was traveling a lot and there was a time where uh, he didn't, but I always went to my mom because he was never there. Right. So I had to, you know, it, it was like, you know, I needed to see that. I needed to see that balance of a, a marriage, a, a husband and wife being together and doing things together. And I wanted to make sure that our kids seen that. So we had to prioritize, prioritize that, uh, us spending time together and being together. You know, and, and, and let, me add, let me add this, Cheryl, too, that Angie and I never <clears throat> said to our kids, your mom or your dad comes before you. Right. Never had that. And we always made sure that we, in teaching our kids about life, about marriage, and how two people should relate to each other, and, and but we also sat and talked to our kids about serious things. When we lost our first home to foreclosure, right? Mm -hmm. We sat down with our kids long before that happened and told them, these are the reasons why this is what's coming in. This is going out. They were young. They still were looking like, okay, after all that conversation, <laughs> hey, we still going to get some ice cream? We still <laughs> and, but I wanted them to see it, right? So, right. you know, right. it's, it's, teaching it's teaching moments and sometimes you use Good words. And, <laughs> and sometimes you use words, right? You really don't have to say that. I, I found like, um, we, your kids notice. And they actually enjoy it. Um, Jay came to us one day and he was, Jonathan and I used to take dance classes and he was saying, yeah, my, my uh, friends really think it's cool that you guys take dance classes. And we were cracking up because what he was telling us is that he's talking about us to his friends saying, mm -hmm. my parents are out taking a dance class. And, mm -hmm. and so, I mean, they really think it's, it's cool. And we what i have found also is that especially when children have come out of trauma what helps them in addition to counseling i believe what helps them most is to be in a stable family situation and in a marriage in a in a home with a husband and a wife and the children the foundation of that family is that marriage so they need to know mm -hmm. that there is something secure that they can hang on to Yes, that they can they can come to and know the this if the whole world goes crazy, this is going to be okay right yes. here. Yeah, they need to know that. You know, I almost feel like we need to change, and we're going to uh, finish up because I know I've kept you guys a long time. I can keep you guys a, a really long time. So um, I, uh, that's what happens when you all you know you know when you get together with family, you just stay, you just talk, you just laugh, yeah. right all day, right? But yeah. I almost feel like we need to. Um, change that word priority to something else. And I, I've been, I haven't figured it out yet. I was fooling around because priorities shift. Like if, if, if Jay and if Kayla and Brianna, if they were home and uh, one of them was like sick and I had to take care of them and Jonathan lost his brown shoe and he couldn't find it. Well, guess what? You're on your own, babe. You know, find the shoe. I got a kid puking over here, right? Mm -hmm. And if I have been working from sun up to sun down, weeks and I have a day off well then I become the priority because I need my rest so that I can you know I can be restored and right. and continue in right relationship with my family because you know <laughs> it has to be right so right. I, I'm wondering if you know how do we how do you continue you talked a little bit about it how do you continue to make your relationship 
first, especially in light of shifting priorities? Well, I, I, you're right. That, that whole priority, that word, it should be something different, right? You right. Know? Um, but it is, it, it's, it's a marriage mission, you know, that you have to go after to say, you know what, you know, at the end of the day, when the kids leave, I don't want to look at this fine woman and say, who are you? <laughs> <laughs> you know, and you, you, at the end of it too, I mean, we want to be able to have dialogue with each other. We spend, she's at work, I'm at work, then we're at home with the kids. And, and, and so we need to be able to look at things the way they need to be looked at because when it's like it's like it's like building something with the wrong tools and you just try to make it work you know what i'm saying mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, the, the project calls for a phillips and you're going to use a butter knife you know mm -hmm. some people hurt somebody or hurt something you know what i'm saying so you need to do you need to and the right tool is really the word of god and 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 and, and it's it is the tool that's going to help us sustain all the madness when yeah. everything when everything is going crazy this right here this is this is going to sustain yeah this is going to last we we are the this is the energizer bunny we 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 gonna we gonna last here right. you know our children are going to see this because here's a word for all the parents you're not raising kids you're raising adults you know what i'm saying so you it have works. to look at that from that perspective you know, because if you keep raising kids, this is why I call it the Lamont Sanford syndrome. They don't leave home. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you have to, you know, we have to do that. And that was some hard things we had to do, even as our kids are older. Yeah. Our kids had to also move from, and Angie taught me this, that our kids have had to move from being just, I mean, we're parents, but it's okay that our relationship shifts and changes with our adult kids versus with our teenage kids. Yes. You know what I'm saying? We, so it's almost like a friendship now, but they, but don't get it twisted. Mom, this is mom and dad, and we will wrinkle the fabric around your collar. If, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, <laughs> so, but this is, this is what it is though. We, we want to make sure that, that we honor each other, you yeah. know, and, and and more importantly, honor God. You know, yeah. are we perfect at that? No. Yeah. But do we go after it hardcore? Yes. You know. Uh, and so, I uh, I also think when there's been consistency mm. in your marriage, when other things may become a priority at a moment in time, that it doesn't destroy your marriage because you've had that that foundation built with that consistency. So you may have to, at a time, uh, do something that you may have to go and take care of mom and dad for a few months because it becomes a priority at that time. But because you have already built that, that foundation on consistency of what you've already done in your marriage, that it doesn't break the foundation. So I believe once you build that foundation with in a marriage of knowing one another, being consistent in conversation and spending time with one another, that when something happens, because things happen, when something happens, it doesn't break that foundation that you already built and you have a great understanding of what you have to do at the moment. That's good. 
That is so good. Thank you so very much. Both you have dropped like so many nuggets. I want to have you like back again. I, oh, we can talk about that. And I was like taking, oh, taking mental notes. Oh, we can talk about that. And we can talk about that. And at another time, uh, you all have just been such a blessing to me um, in my life personally, and certainly uh, on the podcast. And I know, I know, I know for a fact that you have blessed the listeners. I want to give you the final few moments that we're together to share whatever's on your heart right now, um, especially to a parent who may be struggling with uh, putting their marriage first, with prioritizing their marriage, to keep using that word. And then um, I want to invite you to pray for the listeners as well. I would say to um, blended families is to, you know, just be patient, not only with your spouse and your child, but with yourself. Mm-hmm. Be patient with yourself. Is is it's a marathon, you know. Uh, allow those people to speak into your life that are have been through it, going through it. Have conversation. Don't uh, run away from it. Be open, be honest uh, with what you're going through. Mm-hmm. Don't be ashamed of how you feel and just allow God to speak to you and allow other people to speak into your life and, and pray and ask, uh, get a prayer partner. Uh, I, I had a journals yes. and I was looking, I, I found them the other day and I was looking through my journals and I journaled a lot during that time. And I was downstairs reading one of my journals yesterday and I was telling Harold, I started to cry because of the things that we were going through and where we are right now in our lives. God has just been, his hand has been upon this marriage, our family, our kids. And so be open, be honest uh, with, with yourself and be patient with yourself in this journey. Yeah, yeah. Carol, would you like to add anything to that? I would say that even when things are tight, don't get complacent in that. Um, And because I've always said this, and until the pain of staying the same becomes greater than the pain of change, you won't. Mm -hmm. So so you're going to have to make a concerted effort to, to make some changes. And the changes shouldn't always take place at the same time you're riding the bike. You know, right. you need you need to start looking at that. I'm t- we talking to a couple now, and you you don't you don't wait until a few weeks before your marriage to the wedding to begin to talk to your kids about right. what's taking place. They are even though I'm gonna honor this woman before you know. Before, I mean, I'm not putting my kids over this woman. I'm going to honor her. But guess what? As I'm honoring mom, I'm honoring them. That's right. You know what I'm saying? Right. And I think that is key, that they see that. And and our kids, it, when we decided to renew our vows, they played a major role in preparing that with us. Yes. You know, they didn't just show up to be in it. They played a, a planning role and. And, and ideas and we took some, you know, and, and, and they, they actually, it was, it's funny seeing them 
Brittany start, was the one that started off when we got married. The other kids were not were not here yet, you know. Right. And then for all of them, three of them to come together, and then with our grandchildren with that at the same time, it was amazing. Yeah. 25 years, it was amazing because look at where we came from. Yeah. You know? So I would say make, make your kids a part of it, but don't make them over it. You know, right. that's their role. Their role is to be the children and let us plant seed and, and grow them. So when they take off, they'll see, they can never go back and say, I've never seen a marriage that was, was good. Uh, uh, two people loving each other in the same house and struggle with some things, but they work through it. They can never say they didn't see that. Our three girls can never say that. Right. If they choose to go out and do stuff differently, it's exactly what I started off saying. They chose it. Mm -hmm. You know right. what I'm saying? So that, that's, the end, that's basically what I can say to anybody out there. You yeah. know? I, I, you know, say the juice is worth the squeeze, right? The struggle mm -hmm. is worth what you get out of it. So, yeah. you know, we encourage um, all these blended families, families, period, stay in it. Like, stay yeah. in the game. Please do. Right. Please pray for our listeners. Father, we thank you now that for an opportunity for us to come and speak into the life of our listeners out there who may be struggling or may have just questions. Yes. Father, we don't have the answer. You have all of them. Yes. And God, I thank you that you are able to, that you were willing to use Angela and I to be able to share and to and to help people glean at, to, at what you would say, how a family should unite, how parents and how spouses should work together, but more importantly, how this family makes you the head of this relationship. And so Father, I thank you now, and I, and I pray for every family out there now, every question, that mother who is right now in tears, who is struggling, mm. who is, who is right now contemplating like, I want to just give up. I, I, I pray right now, God, that you would reach in and, and, and hold on to her and let her know, God, that through all things, she can do it. She can get through it. And God, that she must just trust you. Just like you asked a man at the pool, do you want to get well? And I pray, God, that her answer is yes, and that she would pick up her mat. She would pick up those issues. She would pick up those things, and she would walk. Yes. And that, God, I pray in the name of Jesus, that father who is frustrated, who feels like he has to uh, just go along with, with the system and what things are going like in, in the family, that in, in his child's life, and he doesn't feel like he has any recourse but yes, tell him he does. Tell him he has you. Father, you said cast all your cares upon you because you care for us. And so God, we thank you now that those who are feeling that they have no hope, have hope. Yes. Those who are worried and scared, they are confident in the power of prayer. Yes and confident in whom they pray unto, and that is you, Lord Jesus Christ. And so, Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for Cheryl, who, Lord God, 
answered your call. Yes. Who said that she would go forth. She would carry this mantle. And so, Father, thank you for that. And I pray a blessing upon her life. Yes. I pray, God, that even as she does this, we know that the enemy is totally against this. Mm. But we are so grateful yes. that greater is he that is in us, that is mm -hmm. in church, yes. is greater than he that is in this world. Yes. And we know that no weapon formed. Yes. We know the weapon's going to be formed. But God, we thank you that none will prosper. Yes. And so God, thank you and continue to bless and cover Cheryl and cover the listeners, God. Yes, Bring God. people to a place to know you. Yes. Because that is where all the, the answers lie. You yes. are the parent. You are the hmm. perfect parent. Yes, God. And you have everything in your hand. Nothing surprises you. Yes. You never sleep. You never slumber. You never lie. You're never late. You're always yes. on time. Thank You're you. always grateful. Yes. You're merciful. Yes. Father God, in the name of Jesus, you are sovereign. Yes. You do as you please, how you please, yes, God. God. And everything you do is thank yay you, Jesus. and amen. Thank so we you, thank Jesus. you now for all these things and for everyone and this opportunity in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you, Harold and Angela, for sharing your life with us. I know it is filled with hope. The hearts of those listeners who feel like they're running a distant second to their spouse's children right now. And it has given those who feel like their children should always come first something to pray about. And thank you, listeners, for joining us this week. Join us again in two weeks when the script will be flipped. I was interviewed on the Steady On page and podcast about forgiveness, what it is, what it isn't, and why it's important for us to forgive. We're going to play that interview for you next time, then take a couple of minutes to answer a few questions about forgiveness. If you have a question you would like featured on the show, please shoot us an email at info at stepmomsanity.com. And if this podcast episode has blessed you, don't miss another one. Take a moment to hit that subscribe button. Also, share this podcast with a stepmom needing encouragement. Join us on the journey by following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Stepmom Sanity. And don't forget, there is hope for stepmoms who are there, wherever you're there is, from stepmoms who've been there at StepmomSanity.com. We believe in you, and we're here to give you what you need to flourish in your God-given role. Until next time, hugs and prayers. <laughs>